0: Hi, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself?
1: My name is Caleb Cook. I'm the lead designer for Cure.
0: And what's Cure
1: about? Cure is a game where you play as a scientist who is genetically engineering uh, various pathogens to try to create new medicines.
0: Uh, while the listeners are listening to the interview, where can they check out the game? Is there a website or something they can check out? Or
1: Absolutely. Uh, CureTheGame.com. Uh, we're currently running a demo right now that you can download and play. Okay, you can get to that at curethegame.com/demo.
0: Great, and and what and so it's. Do you feel this is like a serious game, or what genre would you say this game is in?
1: Uh, it's a real-time strategy uh, with some RPG elements in it.
0: Okay, and I think it's like it. it does it use real-world data, or or did I misunderstand?
1: How, how, um, it, okay. It's not using real-world data in that we don't have like real genomes that we're piping into the game or anything like that. But we are using real science as much as we can and as accurate as we can to uh, in the game. We have scientists that we're working with that are helping keeping us on track.
0: Okay, and what what inspired you to to make this game?
1: Uh, it was kind of a team effort. Um, my uh, the programmer was thinking to himself that. He was getting kind of bored with all of the military RTS games, and he wanted to come up with something truly different, something that was not just another variation on Space Marines. And he started kicking around biology and started thinking about bacteria and stuff like that. And at the same time, I was very interested in trying to make a game where things evolve inside the game uh, through... Uh, random chance in breeding and those kind of things, and he brought his idea up, and I'm like, ah, oh, I really like that idea. We should do it with evolution. So it just kind of went on from there.
0: And how does the gameplay exactly work?
1: Um, it's very similar to a, a normal RTS, except for there are no bases. There's no base building. You you have some bacterium, and you have to uh, find nutrients, find chemicals, uh, fission, so you divide and multiply, and build up your army, and then you also have to deal with your environment, which is somewhat different than normal RTS games. There is an immune system that will try to hunt you down, that kind of thing.
0: Okay, and yeah, what when you were thinking about this, did you did you explore potentially other types of genres to communicate this idea, or do you feel that you were just pretty much committed to RTS um, from from the beginning?
1: Uh, we definitely uh, thought about. Uh, variations on the rts theme um for example drifting into more of like a a moba perhaps you could say or um some type of uh, game where it's more uh, you you control one unit and you really focus in on that those were ideas that we kicked around but ultimately we decided to stick with the more real-time strategy angle
0: and is this going to be single player or multiplayer
1: it's going to be multiplayer. There is a campaign mode um, okay. that will allow you to have kind of a single player experience. And um,
0: okay, so you you both discussed the idea. Um, I guess what was the next step after that? I know I know you were, you know, you were onto this idea or this concept. What I guess what was the next step to advance it further and potentially you know
1: move it along? Well, we didn't start working on it right away. We just kind of. Uh, Wrote the idea down, put it on a shelf, left it there for a few years. And you know, we keep bringing it up in conversations when we're working on other projects. And then we decided that we wanted to enter into a uh, video game competition for like an indie game competition. And we thought that that was a really good idea for like a straight shot. Uh, you get it done in a few months and people would be able to play it and understand it and have fun with it. Um, and so we went forward on that and, and worked on a very early prototype of the game for that competition. And
0: what okay and for the prototype what did you do to develop the prototype what what language and and what um I guess tool did you use to make the prototype?
1: Uh, that was uh 4 or 5 years ago I think when we yeah. when we made that first prototype and I think we were using uh, Ogre.
0: Oh okay wow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and uh, and uh, we—I don't remember what language it was in, but uh, it was very difficult. It was our first major foray into full integrated three D graphics like that, and uh, it was it was interesting. We, we felt pretty good about the product that we made, um, and then uh, a few years later, we really decided to put all of our effort into it.
0: Um, when you made that prototype and you started playing it, what what were your thoughts? Did you feel that it had potential or was it still too hard to distinguish whether it,
1: it could be a game or not? As a, as a content creator, I think we all intrinsically kind of <laughs> are sus- sus- uh, suspect of our work and maybe slightly hate it a little bit. Um, but I had some of my friends play it and watching them have fun with it and kind of... Uh, really start to get into things and and that beautiful moment where players are saying well i wonder what happens if i do this and what happens if i do that and those kind of things really inspired me to keep working on it and really was like wow we might actually have something that people are really interested in
0: the initial prototype was it was it a single player experience or was it multiplayer
1: okay it was single player
0: and was it were you able to you know using that tool ogre were you able to develop it to the point where you could actually focus on the gameplay or was it still a challenge just to get the 3d stuff to work and and explore?
1: It was definitely still at that point where we were wrestling with things. Like we were just starting to get into questions like game balance and, uh, does this ability work the way we feel like it should and things like that. Um, but it was at that point, it was still very much like just trying to get all the things to work, right. The way we wanted it to work.
0: And, when, did you you said it was for an indie competition did you mm-hmm. submit it to the competition or yep. okay and and what was the status there what
1: what happened <laughs> it's kind of a long story uh, with mixed results we sent it into the competition and then they sent us a letter saying that um, the submission had been lost in the mail because you had to physically send them a disk oh wow <laughs> and uh, then we sent them another disk and we uploaded the <laughs> game to the internet and said, okay, well, if, you, if the disc doesn't show up or whatever, you can download the game here, try it out. And they just kind of wrote back like, okay. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> a few months later, they, they came out with the judging, and we weren't anywhere in there. So we, we tried to get a hold of them again, and they, uh, I think, have since stopped doing that competition. So we never really got to the bottom of what happened.
0: Okay, and were you discouraged at that point? Or what, what were your thoughts, I guess, in terms of, okay, is this worth continuing or not?
1: It was definitely a big letdown because we, uh, at that point, had very much committed to that project. I, we quit our jobs. Uh, wow. We locked yeah. ourselves in a basement for three months and just did nothing but program that game. And, you know, it was a very hard deadline. We sent it out. And then just to kind of have nothing come back from that was very difficult. Um,
0: yeah, So so then what were you thinking at that point?
1: Um, Mainly we were just kind of like, ah, you know, you start going like, well, maybe if we had like sent it (laughs) one day earlier, the mailman wouldn't have dropped it or, you know, any of those kind of uh, uh, internal questions you have. But basically we are fairly devoted to our craft. So we were like, well, on to the next thing.
0: And and that's interesting that you two quit your job working on this all the time. I mean, do you feel that? what was the goal when you did when you when you both did that? was that to actually start a game studio or was it just to work on this game?
1: well, we uh, we had been working on games for the past four years uh, while we were in college and after we dropped out of college and we got jobs, we kept working on it. I mean, this has been something we've been doing for years now. And uh, that was like, okay, we're gonna really stop everything, focus one hundred percent on game development. We're going to win this competition, and we're going to use that seed money to uh, start start a true company. Yeah, that was the goal.
0: And okay, so you're spending. I mean, that's that's risky that you're that you're spending like three months. I guess what um, did you think of and and what platform were you targeting when you did it? Was it going to be okay? And and was the goal because around that time, that was still kind of the time when mobile was coming up. And yeah. were, you, were you guys thinking about potentially making mobile games or something else like that, or, or what was I guess the goal to make it a, a financially sustainable studio?
1: Uh, it's interesting that you brought that up because you're right. That was around the time when mobile games were just starting to become a thing, and uh, we were playing with the controls more. We like this actually could theoretically work as a mobile game, um, but I personally, um, I. The games I like to play, I feel like I have to get really engrossed in it. And I just, for me personally, mobile games don't really grab me the same way as a full-fledged PC game does or even a console game. So I I feel like maybe we could have done that, perhaps, to make money, but it wasn't really where our interests and passions lie.
0: Were you thinking about potentially using Steam then for the distribution, or was it going to be just straight PC
1: um, we've always kind of had Steam in the back of our minds. Um, we're actually running a Steam Greenlight right now for Cure, and it's going really, really well. So that's looking like uh, that's a sure thing at this point. Um, but yeah, we were also considering trying to uh, release it ourselves or you know, figure out you know, some t- yeah. form of distribution.
0: Well, I think what's interesting is maybe even around that time, um, I'm not that familiar with Steam, but I think even around that time, Steam was also coming up quite a bit. Right. Yes. Where where indie developers were able to make um a reasonable amount or, or success from games that they launched there. Um now I don't know if that time they actually had this I don't think they had the green light thing at that time, right? They or, did
1: not. They you had to, if I recall, submit the game to them and they would review it and just kinda tell you if you were in or
0: not. Yeah. So were you considering that at that point, potentially? Yes. Or, okay. So then so okay, so you submit it to that other competition to that indie competition you don't really get any further with that Mm -hmm. what what was the next step then after that
1: uh we we put the game down for probably two years uh moved on to other things you know got jobs again that kind of thing um and then i think it was two years ago maybe slightly less we decided we really wanted to to finish that game we felt like it's of all the of all the game projects that we've worked on, Curie is the one project where you can tell anybody the idea and they immediately get it and they like it. Yeah, I haven't well, had anybody go, Oh, that sounds okay, whatever. You know, it's it's Well w- once you
0: got once you went back to get jobs again, were you prototyping other types of ideas or was it mainly that your jobs kept you busy and then finally you revisited it?
1: No, we we've, we've always been working on games pretty much nonstop <laughs> whenever we're uh, yeah. not working for money. We just Hit the computer. What um,
0: I guess what other games were you prototyping around
1: that time? Uh, we were really getting into, especially after working on Virus, uh, we were really thinking about 3D games in general. Um, before then, we had done a lot of work with uh, 2D or uh, like rendered 3D graphics like Diablo 2. Yeah. And um, seeing the power that 3D graphics have I was more motivated than ever to kind of break into that territory, so we started looking at that, and we were kind of working on some of our other projects that we'd had, you know, work uh, cooking, if you will, and spending some time on those.
0: Yeah, you know, I'd like to um, take a little bit of time to just explore 3D games. Um, what, yeah, what are your thoughts then on... Because now it seems now with Unity, you know, becoming more mainstream, I just see this even on mobile and other places. It's like these 3D games are... <clears throat> like proliferating all over the place. Mm -hmm. And do you feel that 3D is going to be the only way moving forward? I mean, for for at least now for advanced gameplay, or what are your thoughts on that?
1: For for what I've had to do, it is (laughs) a quintessential uh, technology. We were working on a game. um, We were making our own uh, MMORPG version of... um, like a Diablo-style game, at the time, and uh, we were doing pre-rendered graphics, and just doing all the pre-rendered graphics is just very, very difficult.
0: Yeah. So, so I guess really the reason why three D is taking off is because for the developers it's easier to then focus on gameplay rather than graphics. Potential. I mean, at least, at least it's easier to make something where you don't need all these graphics to to keep people engaged. And and on the audience end, it's about Feeling more agency and also potentially just not feeling like they're restricted to pre rendered graphics, do you feel that that 's why 3 d is is so popular now, or what are your thoughts
1: well, I think uh, to the end user, yeah, you can feel more immersed. you actually have like proper uh, perspective and and you can have more uh, realistic looking graphics than you can with the 2 d i think although for developers, I think that it's it is easier, but i think it's it's more difficult to get started but or yeah, lots of content, it becomes very, very rapidly easier to do it in 3D.
0: Yeah, and you know, actually, 3D is still kind of difficult if you have to model all that stuff, right? I think that's mm-hmm. why people were doing a lot of 2D back then versus 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you feel there are any other benefits to 3D over 2D?
1: Um, yeah, I think it's it's just so much more fluid. It's easier to change things. Uh you're not uh, you're not rendering things into pixels forever. So yeah. you can you can go back in and change the color of something very easy. You can go back in and change an animation very easily. Uh, the workflow is just better. And yeah, it's it's a harder to learn, and there's a bit more upfront work that you have to do yeah. to get the product out there. But I think once you're in that stage of where you're actually working on the game, it becomes very, very easy to work in 3D. One of the drawbacks, though, is that
0: some of the devices might not be able to handle it as well. There's overheating and stuff like that. So I guess that's a trade-off. But one thing that I've seen that has worked for the audience is like an isometric view. Mm -hmm. It's like 2.5D. What are your thoughts on 3D versus 2.5D?
1: Well, I think that uh, 2.5D in a certain sense has always existed. You know, you look at old... Uh, Snes games where they have the parallax background that give you that sense of distance. Yeah, uh, even though it is all just two D graphics, um, I think that three D graphics are getting easier and easier to render, and people are getting better and better optimized. So, seeing uh, pretty decent three D titles now, even on things like iPhones, and and the de- the devices we're using are getting more powerful as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I, I was thinking about Clash of Clans, and even though it looks like you know 3D it's you know it's 2.5D and it's just mm-hmm. rendered and so the reason i bring that up is i mean is that something you did consider is literally just even using 3D models or something but just using them to generate the image sequences or animations that are then sprites that you know are pre-rendered
1: mm-hmm. yeah I, we've used that exact technology before
0: and and so but but now you're using pure 3D now right or mm-hmm. So yes. so why switch? What what's the what's the benefit
1: now? Uh like I was saying, is just so much for me it's so much easier to develop from an artistic standpoint. Um okay. it is a little bit more complicated when you start getting into uh the programming of it because you now have a whole other access to worry about, but um it's just smoother. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm just I'm I'm also just torn between you know is first person even first person view or something else like that where you can change the camera angle view even compelling or or is it that two point five D that really makes is that's what people want. You know, that mm-hmm. overhead view makes people feel powerful, but then again, maybe that was only done because back in the day 3D was really difficult to do, you know, you know, 15 years ago or so, you know, I think about Zoo Tycoon or Roller Coaster Tycoon. Mm. Um, Do you feel that 2.5D was just an artifact of the lack of technology or, or is it a genuine perspective that actually is kind of one of those like golden mechanics that, that are critical for um, that, that, you know, that just resonate on an intrinsic level for the audience?
1: Uh, I think personally it really comes down to the game that you're making, um, I wouldn't want to play Skyrim top down for example, I feel like I'd be out of the world, I'm, I'm kind of hovering over it, I'm not really in it, but when you play it first person, you're there, that, this yeah. is all happening to you. However, um, I do feel like with certain games, uh, take uh, Diablo 2 for example, just the way the game is built the mechanics of it, the where you have to click on a location, you have to click on an enemy in that way, that camera angle is quintessential to that type of gameplay so the mechanics reinforce the perspective and the graphics and that's why some games might not work in FPS or first person view they may be a much better third person chase camera game or they might be better top down, it's all kind of up to what it is that you're building,
0: and and so that's that's where for RTS isn't isn't 2.5D kind of the, and even you know you mentioned MOBA uh, mm-hmm. earlier, isn't that the default view or, or what what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, very right. much so. Um, there have been RTS games that allow you to spin the camera around and zoom in and all those fun things, but ultimately that just kind of gets in the way of your strategy. You you become less effective, so. <laughs> And the mechanics reinforce the, the graphics. Okay, so,
0: but but in the case of Cure, you're you're going with with pure three D, and and what's the is there going to be a a definitive camera angle
1: for it? Yeah, we are using the sort of very top down two point five D uh, perspective um, for our game, but it is all three D engine. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, and so that's a little detour, <laughs> and, and I'm just fascinated just by what, um, developers, indie developers think about this 2.5D versus 3D thing, mm. and whether even some of these genres should be reconsidered because now those, those angles were just hacks mm. for when the technology wasn't there. But, oh, yeah. But I guess now people are used to it, so you wouldn't necessarily want to try to do something a little more different or, um, But yeah, but okay, so that's, so Mm anyway, so, so back to the, to the path. Um, So, okay, so you get jobs, you're working on other stuff, I guess, yeah, what, what are you thinking at that point?
1: Um, We were, uh, we were just kind of, um, we had moved recently, so we were kind of regrouping, we had our new current jobs. And uh, we were like, all right, let's, let's figure out exactly what we're doing here. And we were, like I said, we were playing around with uh, newer 3D engines, playing around with 3D graphics, and we both said, you know, we should really go back and finish Cure because that game is, is really made for this.
0: Okay, and that's, and that's the game that really stuck out in your head. Mm-hmm. And I guess, were you interested in any other genres related to 3D? Um, Around oh, yeah. the time you made that decision, yeah. So, so what? So then, why why go back to cure versus say some of these other potential ideas or genres that you guys
1: had in mind? Um, I think it's because we had laid so much groundwork on it before. We had documentation. We had ideas written down. We had game design. We had a lot of stuff left over, uh, and frankly, again, it's just that it's one of the ideas we have. Many, many ideas here. And I could tell somebody's grandma, I could tell a gamer, I could tell anybody about this idea, and they, they get it, and it resonates with them. Whereas if you say, okay, well, I'm going to make a third-person chase camera game where you play as a ninja, but <laughs> see, in this game, you can, you can actually climb on, like, all of the objects, not just some, you know, people just go, oh, that's not, okay. But it doesn't, it doesn't grab them, but this idea grabs people, and yeah. so we just said this should be the one that we really focus on.
0: And in parallel, were you also exploring just the changes in the game market? Because I feel like around that time, it just, it just seemed like the indie opportunity was just growing and growing. Mm-hmm. And, and what were your thoughts about that at the time? Like, did you feel that, you know what, this could, we need to figure out a way to actually make this now like a, like a successful studio or, you know, like, or not, not just a hobby, but something where it's like, we can actually
1: pull this off. I think we've, we've always <laughs> felt like we could pull it off for sure. Uh, we do like to see more attention. I mean, with uh, with Minecraft, any, oh, yeah. I, I mean, they AAA, what does that mean anymore in a certain sense uh, as far as financially? Um, and uh, <laughs> people want to play games, and they don't necessarily care who makes them. Um, but mainly I think we, we felt that we had the technology that we wanted to make the game that we wanted, and we weren't going to have to fight with it, and it was going to just come out perfect. Uh, so we said, let's go forward with that. And we are excited to see that the indie community is continuing to grow and thrive. So I think we're happy about that. The other uh, advantage that we, we kind of came to over time is there has actually been kind of a, a drought for real-time strategy games lately. So we're kind of uh, well-timed in that regard. What were your thoughts when you, when you did hear about
0: Minecraft, you know, cause, cause it really, when you looked at the graphics and all these other things and it, and for it to become that kind of a hit, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, what, what were, what did you feel like at that point?
1: Um, well, besides jealousy, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it was a game that I knew immediately was a, a genre definer, uh we were we heard about it very, very, very early, early in development, okay. and we were hearing some of the things described, and we're like, wait a second, so you're saying if we kill a cow, we can get the <laughs> skin from the cow, and then we can make boots out of it? And it was just like, yeah, yeah, I think that's how the game works. And so we immediately were like, all right, let's get this game, and we just started playing it, and I mean, I think like everybody else, I played that game probably more than I should admit to.
0: Yeah, and and I guess... Did that inspire you then to, to pursue this um, journey like where, where you guys quit your jobs and, and then worked on this? Or, um, or what, what did it inspire? Because I feel like one of the things that Minecraft also did was just, I guess, I, you know, rec- helped help me at least recognize that, you know, from, from the get-go, Notch was actually totally into making sure that it was financed properly. The game was actually financing itself, hmm. and he took that indie vision, but he also blended it with some kind of business expertise to actually make
1: this grow. I felt at the time that was incredibly bold to charge people for an alpha. I know people do it all the time now, but at the time <laughs> I was like, man, he really uh he put himself out there, and I was very impressed that he didn't get his uh he didn't get scorned or for it. I think he was actually still a little. I
0: mean at least from what I read of the forums um, when he did that. But yeah I mean I guess I because guess that's one thing that I've also noticed is that some indie developers like they might have like you know there's different dimensions to making a studio work, an indie game studio work and they might have some of the dimensions but some some of the dimensions they're missing. You mm-hmm. know and monetization could be one of those things. Um, so for example free-to-play just even understanding free-to-play i i know that at least even four or five years ago indie developers were against the concept of free-to-play mm-hmm. um, and and so yeah i guess i guess what were your thoughts as you guys decided to pick this game up again on what you were going to do differently this time to make make sure it
1: works um well uh obviously we planned on finishing all of the, the programming and the game would actually function. But I assume you meant more from a business angle. Yeah, business and also marketing, distribution, stuff like that. We have uh, uh, <laughs> we've been working on getting our marketing uh, muscle flexed over the years because we definitely started 100% engineers. We wanted to build things and that was really what we were concerned with. And so we have been uh, realizing over the last... Eight years that there's a lot more to it. So I think at this point we're really coming full circle in uh, interfacing with the community and actually getting uh, people on board with the game, not just focusing on building it and making it work. And I think that has led to our current kind of success that we're having. And 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 by
0: and to do that, you did stuff like green light and potentially other things, even like this podcast show and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess what are other things that you've considered differently now compared to before to just make sure that this game you know has the highest chance or the highest potential for success
1: hmm could you re-ask that question yeah sure
0: um i guess what are sometimes like you know as as you've picked up 3d Right, mm-hmm. and I'm sure, like when you first started out, you had a certain understanding, and now you have a different understanding of, you know, how you can actually use the potential of three D. Mm-hmm. So, in the same way, like, what are you doing? Like, what has like kind of popped into your perspective or your mindset in regards to indie development mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily just pure programming that mm-hmm. that you are considering now to potentially make your studio work or you
1: know make your studio successful or make the game successful I mean for me personally uh, I can't speak for everybody the thing that has really stood out to me is how much you can't control things Uh, we we did a lot of social media stuff we've uh, been trying to interface with the community and then we came out with an Imgur album and then bang uh, you know, half a million views or however many it was, and now we have thousands of people wanting to play our alpha. And it was just overnight; it was literally in eight hours or so, and we're just like, "Whoa!" You know, it was it was so instantaneous uh, that it was kind of overwhelming, at, at least. And that kind of thing, where it's um, there is kind of an element that you just have to throw it out there and keep doing it until you know something clicks.
0: And so before that. Before the Imgur album, you're saying that the
1: social media really didn't resonate with a lot of people. Well, it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't pulling in millions of views or anything like that. I mean, you know, you you talk to people and they say, "Hey, cool idea. That's neat." And you know, you'd feel accomplished, like I got one guy that really thought our game was cool today. And you know, and I felt like we were doing a pretty good job. And then it was just like, bang! You know,
0: was that the first time you posted anything about the game on Imgur, or was it? Yeah. Interesting. So, so I think that's another. You know, and that's something I've also noticed is that, as you know, as things progress, there's certain channels. There are just certain new communities that pop up, and mm-hmm. if you can leverage those in a in a constructive way, then you've got potential. You know, like for example, maybe Take Source worked at one point, right? And I mean that's where Minecraft was launched, but IndDB or some some of these other forms might be more useful at this point or who knows right Tick source could you know but so it's really finding the community that can be the host mm-hmm. for the promotion of the game or something else if I'm understanding correctly I mean what would you say about that
1: yeah I, I, I think that everybody has to kind of poke and prod and try to find their their community and, and I mean you should be building your own community you should be getting people that are fans of your game working with them and getting them involved and and working on that yourself. Um, and I think that specifically to what you're saying as far as which technologies are concerned, uh, it can be difficult because there are a lot of people on Twitter. There are a lot of people on Facebook right now. Um, and so you just have to uh, keep trying new things, keep finding yeah, new yeah. angles and see what works for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just like YouTube, right? Like now that the Let's Plays, I don't know if you're familiar with the Let's Play videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. but now that there's so many of them, it's not like indie developers can just be like, hey, why don't you just go play my game? You know, it's just mm-hmm. like you have to find a way where you can stand out so that the Let's Play people, or, or you can make videos that people want to watch, right? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's completely different than even <clears throat> what worked two years ago or a year ago. Um, so, going back to when you uh, decided to pick the game back up, what was the next step?
1: Um, the next step was just throwing ourselves at it, um, just uh, doing tests, doing stress tests, really working at it. Um, We were, we are working on this as a multiplayer game. So we've spent a lot of time thinking about networking infrastructures and things like that. So it was just a lot of building, a lot of engineering.
0: Were you, um, I think you mentioned exploring other 3D things. Did you uh, explore other 3D engines or did you decide to stay with Ogre?
1: Oh, we're yeah. We've we've been exploring all the 3D engines at this point. Uh, the demo that we're uh, have released currently is being uh, is run in Unity. Um, yeah. What what inspired you to pick up Unity and, and consider it? Um. I think a multitude of things uh, inspired us, but um, one of them was we liked the. The level of access, I guess, that it gives you. We immediately started playing with it and started to learn how to use it. We looked at um, the Unreal Engine, Cry Engine, all those engines, oh, yeah. and, uh, and Unity just kind of stuck out as one that we wanted to try to play with.
0: What What are your thoughts on Unreal Engine? Um, potentially, um, even to, to to do this game, and and I'm just fascinated because you know I've just seen like it's like it feels like it's Unity versus Unreal Engine now. Hmm. Um, or, but, but, yeah, what are your thoughts on the other 3D engines? It would be interesting to hear that.
1: Uh, I think they all have their benefits and drawbacks, and it really kind of comes down to what your expertise is and how you want to use your game. I, I think that they all can probably build anything, really. It's up to you.
0: Yeah, but, but the business model or even the, the way they charge is, is also very different. Hmm. Um, say, for example, Unreal Engine, where I think they take a royalty hmm um, Yeah, versus Unity, which you know they've they've changed also in the last several years on like how they were charging versus what they charge now. Mm-hmm. Um so but in your mind you feel that um Unity is is the is the best for your project at this point?
1: Um it's it's the one that we're that we're playing around with right now. Um it's what the demo is made in. Uh I think that one of the things I like about Unity uh specifically is they do seem to have a very active community yeah. as far as answering questions and making tutorials and all those things. Um, uh, I, I don't know everything about the other engines, but they feel a little bit more like they say, hey, you know, that's really cool, but you should give us money and we'll tell you what to do. Uh, I, don't, I can't verify that, but it definitely does feel like Unity has a ton of information out there for people to learn with, which is nice. Yeah. And for networking,
0: are you going to use the? I think they have like Unity networking now, or something like that. And in, in version five, is that what you're going to use for multiplayer, or or what did you decide to use for the networking
1: technology? Oh, uh, we're kind of doing our own thing.
0: Wow. <laughs> and what what inspired that? Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, early on, no, that's because I feel like that's you know just like 3D like unity has democratized 3D and you know now you see these 3D engines and it makes it and that's why you see a lot more 3D games right mm-hmm. and i feel like with networking it once again it's this this kind of art that has and, and you know now they're trying to democratize that mm-hmm. whereas before you know you had to roll your own thing or figure out how to do networking mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah what what are your thoughts
1: well we we kind of knew going in that we We're going to um, be putting a lot of our our own work into the networking engine. One of the reasons is because we have full physics over the network, which is something that very many games do. So we just kind of knew that we were going to need to have a lot of control over it. So that's why we put in the effort that we did.
0: And so did you just use, like, are you using a Java server or what... Um, what what is, what's the technology you're using for the networking then?
1: Uh, I am not the networking expert. <laughs> I can't go into exactly how it all works. Uh, so far it seems to work just fine, so I'm happy with it. Okay.
0: And, um, yeah, I guess what other interesting technologies did you have to explore to, to execute on this game?
1: Probably the biggest challenge for me as, the, as one of the artists is to uh, program shaders. That has been a learning experience. So
0: you mean programming
1: shaders inside Unity or? Um, Just learning uh, all of the different uh, shader languages and how how to write to the video card. Just the whole concept is very different than what I'm used to.
0: Okay. And for shaders, um, why did you decide to program shaders versus just using maybe standard shaders?
1: Um, again there wasn't any solution out of the box that fit what we wanted to do we've got uh, translucent see-through bacteria that oh, yeah. have be able to change shapes and colors and all these different things so we we've had to kind of uh, again forge our own path
0: uh, what uh, yeah I guess what so so you made a shader to, to allow for that
1: mm-hmm
0: um, yeah how did you go about Developing or designing the shader for that. And for me, that's fascinating because it's like, okay, using that shader programming to potentially either make the game more immersive or or have a different feel than what's already out there, you know?
1: Mm hmm. Uh, It's shaders to me are still kind of like wizardry and magic. Uh, I think that they are what separates. 2,000 PlayStation 2 graphics and what we have today. And basically what we started to do is just look at pictures of things under microscopes and try to figure out what what makes it look that way and, and start trying to apply that logic to shaders.
0: And, and it's just more experimentation and just see what...
1: Trial and error, basically. Works. Yep. Okay.
0: And did you decide to grow the team then? So it seems like it was like... Two, you and someone else decided to pick it up again, and then has the team expanded or or what's what's the status at this point
1: uh it's still me and uh, the programmer we're the two main guys We have um, gotten a few other people to kind of come in uh, in smaller roles but yeah it's it's still very much the two of us and we have uh, uh, somebody helping us with marketing now. we have another programmer that comes in so it's slowly growing
0: what are i mean what are your thoughts on that? do you feel that that can hinder progress or do you feel that it is needed? I know, I think you mentioned potentially,
1: I mean, are you working with a scientist or what? Mm. Maybe I misunderstood. We uh, we have a special section on our forums just for scientists and we have about 50 scientists right now that um, we talk to and get consultation with.
0: Okay, and do you feel that that's helpful or is it? Absolutely. Okay. And and how so? And the reason I ask is because you know, um, I don't know. Is is, do you feel that the accuracy is going to be useful or not? You know, because I mean, could it impede the potential of making or of this game becoming more accessible to people?
1: I think that it's uh, it's very much a, a major part of the game is the accuracy. We will we we would never make a decision that would undermine the game in a sense we wouldn't uh, say well this isn't fun but it's more accurate I mean we want to make the, a game that people want to play that's um, I, don't, I don't think making a boring game would do anybody any favors um, but honestly getting it more accurate in a lot of ways is, is also really cool in its own way you know learning about um, all these different uh, biological functions that that bacteria alone can do is very fascinating and I think it leads to really innovative game mechanics yeah,
0: and can you give an example of those innovative game mechanics that have come from that accuracy?
1: Uh, one of my favorite ones is, is uh, <clears throat> the Uh Bacteria uh, can literally grow these like, uh, spikes out of their body and stab other bacteria with them. Uh, and so I just kind of like that idea of these sort of biological spears that these things grow. And uh, so that has led to these, uh, in the demo right now, you can play as these soldier bacteria that can grow these spikes. And unlike most um, RTS games where you just uh, right click on the enemy and the space marine shoots his machine gun or the uh, alien, you know, shoots its version of an alien machine gun, uh, in this game you actually have to position your uh, uh, troops correctly so that your spikes can actually hit into them and it kind of has a lot more uh, micro control that you have to do and it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. And I was just thinking that with biological systems, the more accurate you are, it might even lead to more emergent properties because that's that's how biology works to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, what, yeah, so I guess what are other challenges at this point to, do you feel to, to get this game done and and in a more polished and final state?
1: Um, I would say probably right now our challenges are um, being able to handle the uh, the amount of people that are gonna wanna play it. So just uh, really making sure that we have powerful enough servers and, and that everything's gonna be set up so that people can play the multiplayer in the way that we want them to. Yeah,
0: and and I guess for a model for the game, is it going to be like like multiplayer is it going to be one versus one? Is it going to be five versus five? Or how is it going to exactly work?
1: Right now, we're really focusing on just uh, one versus one, but we hope to be able to expand it to team play and those kind of things. Okay,
0: and team have you have you prototyped that yet? Team play or anything? Or
1: um, we've played around with it. Yeah. What What are your
0: thoughts on the potential of team play versus? I mean versus what, you know, the one versus one that you have in mind at this point?
1: Well, I think um, uh, it it seems to be, at least in, say, for example, the StarCraft community, one versus one is the sort of quintessential uh, um, competition. That's like where the real competition lies or that's what people seem to care about. Whereas for me, I've always liked to play with my friends. I like a good team match uh, working with everybody else. So I think that for us, making a team play would be a lot of fun and i think a lot of people would really enjoy it do you feel that that's almost like an
0: entirely different game um, in a certain sense
1: i could see that okay
0: um so yeah so the rts aspect of it um, Mm. what were some of the challenges to actually design and iterate on the right Balance and yeah, and development and design of the RTS.
1: Well, um, RTSs are surprisingly difficult to make um, yeah. <laughs> because you have so many moving pieces, and they they need to be just as responsive as uh, you know first person shooter or anything else. So it, it's surprisingly RTSs are, I think, one of the harder genres to make. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's just making sure that it is as smooth and lean um, as possible, and, and you know really getting that feedback in yeah so so what was the process then to
0: ensure that the rts was you know balanced and effective and and working at all steps while you're also managing all these other tech technology risks and
1: and other issues i think it's just a a, a constant um play test um this value seems too high this value seems too low we're always refining we're going to the community and seeing. Um, what the, those players think and how they feel about things. So it's it's. I think it's a it's a evolving process as we go.
0: And let's let's talk about your community. So you mentioned the Imgur post and mm-hmm. how it drove a lot of people to potentially be interested in your game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How long ago was
1: that? Uh, that Imgur post was in November, so okay. three or four months ago.
0: And and I guess. What are you doing to keep them engaged as you develop this? And even though the final thing isn't out yet, mm-hmm. um, yeah, how are you keeping them engaged and just keeping them excited about the product?
1: Uh, well, we, we've um, slowly been releasing, I, I suppose, more of the content that we plan to actually be in the final product. Our, our initial offering, say, through Inger was very um, broad. We just kind of said, "This is the game. This is what it's going to be like." But we've been slowly getting more specific in explaining things to people, and they seem to really enjoy. Uh, gamers really want to know. I mean, if they, if if I would release our algorithms for the damage calculations, I'm sure they'd love it. Um, yeah, that's what I was <laughs> they hoping. They want all, to hear. all the details. <laughs> they want to know everything.
0: Uh, um, so
1: yeah, just kind of uh, uh, releasing that information, and then now that we have the demo, they have something they can play. So we're just getting tons of feedback on that. And just we're, even today, we might come out with a patch for the demo. So that has been really cool to see people um, playing with it and giving lots of feedback. What's, what's been the, the feedback on the demo? Any surprising
0: issues that have come up or things that you were unexpected?
1: Um, surprising issues. Uh, well, we actually had a little bit of, uh, we got some people together and had a little bit of play testing before we released the demo. And that did shake loose a lot of uh, little little things, a lot of little user feedback stuff. Um, the version that we put out, I feel, was pretty strong. There was, of course, little things here and there that we've we've kind of been changing. But I think at this point, it's just more content. They say, wow, that was really awesome. I want more. Wow, that was really awesome. I want more. Give me more. Give me more. <laughs> okay. And when they say more content, they're talking more about the single player campaign? Uh, or- they want more units. They oh, okay. You- because uh, right now it's very much a demo. We have uh, just a small portion of the game playable. And so we're just going to slowly be unlocking more and more as we go.
0: And how do you feel you're going to potentially compete and, and just build up your community to so that you have a large community to, to do the tournaments and the leagues and stuff like that?
1: Well, I mean... Um, <clears throat> The biggest compliment that I've heard so far is uh, we've we've got a guy who plays it a lot, and he was saying that he can't wait to compete with other people. So I think um, people want to play it multiplayer already. There there's already a lot of people that would want this game out. They want to play it. So I I don't know if we're going to have to. I mean, obviously we're going to have to work at it, but I think the ground the groundwork has been laid already.
0: And do you feel there are going to be any challenges with um, the technology execution um combined with the game design execution
1: well i think um just as we've said just really we have to uh we just have to have really really good multiplayer support because um you know we of course we'd like to avoid that sort of day one launch where <laughs> no one can log in and all those kind of things, but just going forward, uh, I think we're going to have a lot of people playing this game. And so we need the multiplayer to be, uh, able to handle that type of traffic.
0: And your audience right now, do you feel that they are people who are hardcore RTS genre fans or, or is it a different
1: audience base? Um, I think we're really getting a very, very widespread, um, a lot of people are interested in it just for the science aspect they they say wow a game where you can play with bacteria and genetic engineering I'm on board yeah. I don't play video games so we've got uh, in, in that sense that has actually been somewhat of a challenge because I show one person in this game they sit down they immediately grab the controls and they're off to the races they know what they're doing they've played video games before and they're very adept at it and then We've been pulling in people that have never played a video game. Even the, the concept of left-click versus right-click on the mouse is kind of a foreign idea to them. So we've, we've definitely got a huge array of people playing this right now. Yeah, and, and
0: how has the, because um, I, I think you mentioned that you're interacting with the Steam community a little too. Mm-hmm. through your um, how's that, How is that working? What's been the feedback there?
1: Surprisingly, overwhelmingly positive. I mean, we've had very little uh, negative feedback. Everybody feels pretty good about it. They want to play it.
0: Now that you've kind of got that demo out, you're getting feedback. um, Are you also still continuing with the marketing? What are your what's your approach on that front? Because I know it it seemed like it was just that one post that really helped to build a larger potential audience space so are are you looking for kind of some of those hidden treasure opportunities where you can get kind of like you know thousands or you know a lot of views right Mm -hmm. away
1: yeah i think uh we're really just trying to interface with the community now we love seeing youtubers play our game that's a really good feeling uh so we're just continuously just pressing the marketing doing as much as we can um Of course you know we're coming to podcasts and uh um, news agencies and those kind of things and uh just really uh trying to uh get the idea out there as much as we can
0: and you're working on or you have a game kicker campaign right now so what Mm -hmm. i mean what is that what what inspired you to use game kicker um why not do kickstarter or some of these other i guess sites that are also kind of like Indiegogo or whatever it is. Um, yeah, what, what inspired you to use GameKicker?
1: Well, what inspired me to use GameKicker is uh, what their idea is and what they want to do with it. Um, I have spoken several times with the owner of GameKicker. Uh, you know, they seem really involved in everything that they're doing. Uh, they want to interface with the content creators. And uh, they really they, they said, you know, we want to make this just for video games and just for indie games. And I felt at the time we're kind of new. We're asking people to put their faith in us and give us money. And so we said, well, let's uh, let's put our faith in these guys and give them a chance because they're new as well. Okay.
0: And what are your thoughts on cross-platform? I mean, do you feel that that's going to be a critical part of your game?
1: You mean like going to Xbox or PlayStation or something like that?
0: Yeah, potentially that, or mobile, or something else like that. And the reason I, I mentioned that is because I've seen now. I mean, I've seen that as a viable strategy for you know, some indie game developers, where they may even release on Steam and then they have a mobile version, right, mm-hmm. or, or something else like that. So it's just a mix. So it's just all over the place, and it's and it's a form of marketing to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I think that. Uh... We will obviously explore any of those options once... Our focus right now is get the game released, get it on PC, get people playing it. And if at that point we feel like there is a substantial uh, market in, say, Xbox or or PlayStation, then we may consider moving to those platforms. Um, Yeah.
0: And so what's the timeline for the actual, the initial, or, you know, version 1.0 or something else like that?
1: <laughs> well, we're still working on it. Uh, we're we're thinking late this year. Okay,
0: late this year, and so uh, like summer, fall, <laughs> winter.
1: Uh, we're we're just not sure. We're still working on it. Okay.
0: Um. Yeah. So between now and then, what are things on on the horizon that you that you feel you need to address, and any other challenges?
1: Um. Probably the one of the bigger things on the horizon is, is like we're we're continuing to update the demo and get people on board, and I think just continually uh, getting people acclimated to the game. It is, you know, we are talking about things like genetic engineering and an RTS where you can upgrade your troops, and I a lot of people hear that and they go, "Yes, awesome!" But how does that work? And I, you know, so we're still just acclimating people to those ideas and making sure that they understand how it's going to work and. Uh, Giving it to them.
0: Uh, will they need any special hardware or, um, like, like an advanced computer? Like, what what kind of machine will run this game?
1: I think you're gonna need a a, a decent computer uh, with a video card. Um, it can run on laptops and things like that right now, um, but I would suggest you know just a, a an average gaming PC would be fine.
0: And, yeah, I mean, I guess any other technical challenges you feel that you guys need to address between now and the release date? I mean, that oh. are major. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, like, there will always be challenges, but there might mm. still be some unknowns that you still have to consider at this point.
1: I think... Uh you know, we're going to make sure the, the multiplayer works. And I think it's just going to be, uh, we're going to be testing it, beta testing, alpha testing, and making sure that we can handle the loads. And um, uh, working with the community to make sure it's balanced and, and in a working state that feels good.
0: Okay. And let's see, I mean, I guess, yeah, any other things that you're, that you're going to do? Are you going to go to any of these... I guess, game conferences or some of these kind of gamer events to promote your game? Or do you feel that online is the best at this point?
1: Oh, uh, we love to go to those types of events. We went to PAX uh, Prime this year. Um, they're really great. You can talk to people, uh, get mm-hmm. good feedback on your game. Uh, they are somewhat expensive. Yeah. So well, I did you actually, did you, get, oh,
0: did you get a booth at PAX or was it mainly just to go there for the experience or the
1: event? Uh, we didn't get a booth at PAX. Uh, we just barely didn't make the deadline or something. We, we got to them early and they said they were interested, but we didn't make the cut. But we went to PAX Dev and we talked a lot with people and just kind of interfaced with the community. And And that was the first time i had ever been to PAX. So a lot of it was just kind of figuring out what that atmosphere was like.
0: Yeah. And, and how was it? What, what were your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, it's very it's very interesting. I mean, you, I guess unless you have been there before, I didn't understand the scale of it. Um, I think there were some buildings that I still haven't, didn't visit at while I was at PAX. So, it's, um, there's a lot going on and it's very popular and very big. Yeah. Which is cool. What about some of these
0: other, I guess, game developer specific con I mean, just even as right now as we talk, I think there's like the Game Developers Conference happening. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that interfacing with other game developers is useful in regards to your game or because your game is it's not I mean it's it's got its own community and it's kind of not purely game oriented right I mean I mean like you know like you were mentioning you need that science base you need that you know the scientists giving you feedback do you feel it's it's even helpful to to run it through game developers
1: Yeah I think we we get a lot of really good constructive Feedback from other game developers, and I think uh, since we're all sort of in the same group, that everybody is very respectful of everybody else's pro- projects and are really interested to see what everybody else is doing. So a lot of times, um, developers can can really uh, get interested in your project.
0: Okay, and for uh, you know, for gaming in general, what do you think of? Esports, and I mean, because you mentioned tournaments and leagues potentially for your game. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts of esports and, and how it relates to your game and just in general?
1: Oh, I find it very interesting. Uh, <laughs> for me personally, I, I never really uh, was into watching, say, football or basketball or soccer, or any of those sports, and and then I saw people doing um, comment commenting on like StarCraft Two games. I'm like, wow, I get it now. <laughs> I could, I, I understand why people watch football. It is kind of an eye-opening moment. <laughs> for me I understood what this is all about and wow. I, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's great.
0: Yeah. I mean, so do you feel that there's going to be an esport that uh, overtakes
1: football? Oh boy. Uh, I think it's possible as uh, more and more people play video games now uh, that that it, I think Maybe in, in a certain sense, they might have already overtaken them. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of viewership for eSports, um, but is it, will it have the same effect in society? I, I don't know. Okay. It'd be interesting. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, so I'm going to run some other you know, trends that seem to be happening to the games industry, and you let me know what you think of them. What sure. about virtual reality um, and potentially how it relates to RTS? <laughs>
1: Well, I can't speak to how it relates to RTS, but I love the technology. I I can't wait to see it become more mainstream.
0: So, so you feel that virtual reality will be? Do you feel it's going to become as big as mobile, or do you feel it's going to be more like a console where it's you know it's got its dedicated audience, but it's not as ubiquitous as mobile
1: or PC? I, you know? I don't know. I I hope it does. I think okay. that. It's very, very powerful technology and it's getting better all the time and I hope that people really embrace it the way that they have um, gaming in general.
0: Uh, what What are your thoughts on augmented reality?
1: Um, It's interesting. Uh, I think that uh, there's potential there. I personally am more into virtual reality myself than augmented oh, wow. reality. Okay. But I think it's cool.
0: Um, have you... Have you decided to get a virtual reality device or, or not at this point?
1: Uh, yep. Yeah, I have a uh, an Oculus. Oh wow! One of the development versions.
0: Um, are you thinking about potentially releasing a game on Oculus or?
1: I mean, of course, of course, I'm thinking about it. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: like right now, like but... even a small prototype. That's okay. That's really what I mean. It's like you know just an exploration project that you know potentially release just to see how people respond and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it definitely, uh, I don't know if you've heard of a game called Elite Dangerous, but they have uh, VR support and I played that game with the VR headset on and I was like, wow, there really is potential here for something. I mean, it's just so immersive. Um, and so I think, I think if they can get the technology a little bit better than it is and Perhaps a little bit more affordable. I think it really could become a mainstay of gaming. Okay.
0: Um, okay. So we talked about VR, AR, uh, esports. Uh, do, you, do you see any other things that that are on the horizon for gaming that that intrigue you?
1: Um, I I'm I'm very fascinated with just how the community is growing as a whole. I mean, there's more gamers this year than there were last year, and there's probably going to be more next year than there were yeah. this year. So the the ranks are growing, and we, so we have a huge influx of new people. As, you know I've been playing games since forever, so it'll be interesting to see how um, all this, this new interest will affect what kind of games come out and how they're played and what people think about them. Yeah, do you feel that
0: one day people will be playing games more than they're watching youtube or something else like that
1: that's a very interesting question because i think a lot of people are watching people play video games on youtube you know you know the interest is there i don't know i think for me i really like playing the video games i i do i do watch people on youtube play video games from time to time especially just to kind of get a, a sense of what the game is about I really like having that control. I like being behind the wheel, if you will. Yeah. Um, but some people kind of they, they prefer to take a back seat and see what the see what the other person's doing, or it's kind of like watching somebody solve a puzzle or something like yeah,
0: that. Yeah, or like someone watching basketball versus playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and do you feel that that's what's going to happen with gaming? Is that you have a smaller audience that's participating, and then you have a vast amount of people just watching.
1: I I would hope that that all those people watching would at least try the game. Yeah, uh, and I think unlike uh, a basketball or or football or something like that, pretty much anybody can play a video game. Um, yeah, you
0: don't get so tired I think as
1: easily. The potential for people to be able to. Uh, I mean, for example, the reason why I understand what i'm seeing when i watch somebody play starcraft is because i've played it and i go oh man that was a really good thing that he did there and i would you know maybe i'll think of that next time that kind of thing okay. so i think that i think if people play the game at least a little bit they'll have a greater appreciation when they watch it that's my personal opinion uh, that's how i feel yeah
0: and do you feel that there's going to be there're going to be games that last as long as basketball and football because something that I've also noticed is that you know there's sometimes there's these games they're like more like music, where it's like popular for a little bit. Well, I guess actually no, I mean the MMOs are are popular for a longer time for sure. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess the music analogy would work for the single player games that are more like mobile things that are just kind of memes for a few weeks or, or a month or two and then that's it. Whereas I guess the MMOs and the um, multiplayer games are more like, more like sports where it can last for a long time.
1: I think that's very difficult because it really kind of comes down to the industry, I think. Uh, StarCraft 1 was popular for a very long period of time um, uh, because other popular RTSs around that time weren't just like StarCraft 2. Or StarCraft, excuse me. You know, they came out with Warcraft 3, but that was a totally different type of game. So it managed to have a following for a very long period of time. But if they came out with StarCraft 2 and then next year came out with StarCraft 3 and then next year came out with StarCraft 4, there's really no reason for anybody to be playing StarCraft 1 or 2. So I feel like, in a certain sense, these genres or these games have been popular for very long periods of time. We just yeah. have to keep playing the new iteration of it. And our technology is getting better. So if you know, I guess if technology stopped expanding and games could kind of breathe for a longer period of time we'd see them stay popular for longer yeah
0: do you, do you foresee a day where people are just as engaged with a game more than instagram
1: <laughs> um that's an interesting question because I think when you start talking about things like Instagram and Facebook you're talking about human interaction. Yeah. So I would say in the MMO realm, absolutely. I think you make friends, you interface with people over the internet in a very social way. So I think that games as a general whole very much could be. So it, you know, are all games going to be like that? Probably not. Yeah. So
0: so I guess what it is is that it is also faster and easier to make content for for instagram and facebook versus um games at this point and maybe that'll change and maybe that's what turns it into a different thing hmm. um yeah i mean i guess any other yeah what are your thoughts on emerging genres in in games um are there are there any new genres that have inspired you recently or anything else like that
1: well, I'm, I'm very fascinated with the exploding survival genre right now. Uh, there are like 10 titles all competing right now that are all pretty good. Um, so I'm interested to see if that's going to continue to be, you know, like as we said, Minecraft was a genre definer, if those are going to continue to be popular or if they will fall to the wayside for something else. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. Have you seen any other interesting genres that have intrigued
1: you or captivated you or Um, probably not genres uh, as a whole. I mean, there's obviously new games every day that, you know, intrigue me or make me go, hmm, that's pretty cool.
0: What are your thoughts then of this kind of, um, I guess, uh, like this, you know, just like so many games getting released all the time now. What, Uh, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? Do you feel that this is dangerous for indies or do you feel that it's, it's going to help indies
1: or? I think that it's it's a little early to tell. I think that um, it, it, it is easy to get lost in the crowd um, for anyone, uh, AAA to indie, at this point. Um, I feel like if your game, you know, if, if you are trying to be the the next Battlefield three or four when Battlefield three and four are coming out, then you know it's going to be very very difficult for you. So I I hope that. Um, We'll continue to see innovation, at least in the indie realm, like we have been. I mean, there's been, you know, every few months we hear about a a new really interesting game that comes out. Um, But I I don't know. I I think that um, we'll see what happens. Uh, The mobile market has become fairly saturated at this point. um, But people still keep trying to make content for it. So that hasn't um, fallen off yet. So we'll see. Okay. And... What
0: suggestions, you know, now that you've gone through this experience of making a game, what, I guess, what things do you wish you would have done differently um, that could have potentially accelerated your success or, you know, helped to shorten the time that it took
1: to develop up to this point? Um, I, I, I can't think of any, like, huge broad mistakes in that sense, but there's definitely things, little lessons we've learned along the way, for example, uh, when we were getting ready to demo some of the game mechanics to people, we as engineers were very focused on this needs to work a certain way, and, and uh, you know, we were really trying hard to get this this thing fixed that we were trying to work on. And it turned out that ultimately the, the player didn't really know that it wasn't working as we thought it should be, or it didn't matter to them in that sense. And they were more focused on like, well, what does this color mean? So I think when you're when you're going to demo your game, really just think of it from someone that has no knowledge of what it is that you're doing, what they're going to see, and really focus on making what that part is look really, really clean. And that was a really good lesson to learn very early on.
0: In terms of marketing lessons, do you have anything that you feel have, that you've learned that, it, that you know, help you become more successful at marketing?
1: Uh, I think people really it's kind of a toss-up because we've kind of had both things happen, but people seem to be just very interested in the game. If you're very honest and forthcoming about what it is that you're making, people, at least in our case, are very interested in it. Um, but then you also have the sort of personal angle, and people are really interested in, in the scientific aspects of the game and, and, you know, how did we come up with the idea and what have we been doing on this. So you, you do kind of have your, your person in the game, and then you have the game itself.
0: What are your thoughts on Twitch as, as a way to either promote your game or even discuss your game development?
1: Um, I, I think that I really, really like the idea of it. I like the concept of, say, playing the game live like that and just talking with people while I'm playing it and saying, well, check this out. This is how this works. I feel like that's a really great direct communication tool. I mean, it'll almost be like talking to somebody at PAX or something like that while they're playing the game. Yeah. Uh, I think that it gets a little difficult with, you know, everybody has a schedule so unless I'm going to stream 24 hours a day, it's going to be hard to get everybody to show up at the same time and things like that. So, I mean, there's uh, organizational hazards with it, but I think it's a very cool thing and I hope to do more of it.
0: Okay. As we wrap up the interview, what, I mean, what's going to be the have you thought about the business model for your game?
1: Uh, it's something that we, we talk about a lot. Uh, we haven't decided on anything yet. We're really just focusing on getting the game as clean and as perfect as we can.
0: Is, is in a, you know free free-to-play and a possibility, or what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, we're, really, we're really just focusing on the game right now. Uh, at this point, anything is a possibility, and we'll just kind of see what we decide as we go forward.
0: And what suggestions, finally, what suggestions do you have for other indie game developers out there?
1: Uh, Probably the biggest thing I would say to anybody that thinks they would like to get into this, and I would say the the biggest key, in my opinion, is perseverance. Um, Everybody's going to run into those bugs. There's going to be something that breaks. You're going to have very difficult weeks, months at times. And you really have to have that dedication and perseverance to stick with your project to see it through. That's what I think is probably the biggest key that anyone can take away from trying to get into this.
0: Great. And once again, where can listeners find out more information about the game?
1: Uh, you can check out Cure at curethegame.com. You can play our demo at curethegame.com slash demo. And we'd love to see you guys there. Great. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye.